How many remember the name? You may know more about him than, than I would probably maybe expect you to know, but how many's heard of Billy Sunday? Raise your hand. He was a famous evangelist years ago, back in the 20s. As a matter of fact, he hit the sawdust trail, they called it, because of all the meetings that he had under tent and so forth. And over a million souls, according to statistics, walked the aisle and under the ministry of Billy Sunday. He was an ex-baseball player, played for the Chicago team, and uh, just an old drunk playing baseball professionally. But God got a hold of his heart and changed him forever and uh, had the privilege of visiting his home place up in Indiana several years ago and uh, picked up a few souvenirs from Maul Sunday, who was his wife, who did so much for the ministry and so appreciate his life. The reason I say that, let's stand together and read in the book of Luke chapter 4. Every time he would preach, he would open the Bible up to this passage, verse 18, chapter 4 of the book of Luke. It's also found in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, and I want to make reference to it tonight. We're talking about the will of God and having the gift of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do through and through our lives and for us, for us and through us. And I just want to make a few comments tonight before we go to the house. I'll not get through with what I want to say. This is one of the greatest passages in the Bible, in my humble opinion. All of us are good, but it's special to me. Let's begin in verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Well, let's go back to verse 14. And Jesus returned returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out fame of him throughout all the regions round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to the, to the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are abused, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God. Father, bless us tonight for just a few moments. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the freedom. Thank you for the joy we have in our hearts because of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that the Bible be rich and enrich our lives to be better. Lord, may the will of God be accomplished in all of our lives as we wait upon you to show us exactly what you want us to do in our life. And Lord, to know the will of God, you're not hiding it from us. And the more we get in the Bible, the more we can understand more what you want us to do as we live our life day by day. I pray, God, your will can be accomplished tonight in this service, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Above this verse, verse 18, if you write in your Bibles, or at least verbally, you can put it on your mind, put appointed and anointed for service. Let me say it again. Appointed and anointed for service. Let me say it one more time. Appointed and anointed for service. Let's say it together. Appointed and anointed for service. In this context, you'll find exactly what we're supposed to do as Christians. It's a very beautiful text. 
As a matter of fact, there's a certain charm and beauty someone said about this passage, especially verse 16 and 17, that introduces us to the great verse, verse 18. And Jesus, of course, went to the synagogue, and there the heart of every service of the Jewish economy was the synagogue. And the reading we explain during those days to those who were in attendance. Now, Jesus Christ is now reading from this passage of Isaiah in the synagogue. Amazing. All the eyes were fastened upon him, and when he was all through, they all looked at him with wonderment that this man said what he said. He said, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence today, and truly it was. The synagogues was the heart of the service of that day, as I said, and we need the Bible to be read. We need to be not only a Bible-read church, we need to be a Bible-fed church and a Bible-led church. The Bible is essential. Jesus went to church. That was his custom. Now, if he went to church and it was his custom, don't you think we ought to go to church because it ought to be our custom? And I know it was on the Sabbath day, on the Saturday. I know it was with the Jewish religion. But Jesus went to the synagogue regularly as his custom was. So that means every Saturday, as far as I can undertake and read the scriptures, he went to be in the synagogue. He went to be in church. I want to challenge you to be in the house of the Lord. And I'd like to challenge all of us as we seek the will of God to be a Bible-read individual. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands tonight. But have you read the Bible today? You know, Benny Beckman's coming in November. He always asks, have you talked to the Father today? Have you read your Bible today? You say, well, I didn't have time. Have you read your Bible yesterday? Have you read your Bible this week? Have you read your Bible regularly? I know there's times we're all maybe sick, maybe detained, maybe interrupted from reading the Bible. You don't have to always just read it in the morning time. You know, you can read scriptures at noontime. All God's people say that. You can read scriptures at night. Do you know that? You can read scriptures anytime, all the time that you feel like doing it. And sometimes we don't feel like doing it. It may be good just to read the Bible. We need to be in a Bible-fed church. I'm grateful for our Sunday school teachers. I'm grateful for those who speak from time to time. I want people to come to our church who will feed you on the Word of God. It's not an entertainment center. We're not here to entertain folks. We're not here to make everybody feel good. As a matter of fact, we're here to deliver the Word of God, and that is high on God's calendar. And He wants every church to be that pillar and ground of the truth. And He wants us to feed the flock. It says to the pastors, feed the flock, which God has made you overseers. And every one of us needs to open up the Bible so somebody can be fed. And that means to have some nourishment for their soul spiritually. But how many of you eat more than one day a week? Would you raise your hand? Well, God bless you. How many of you, you eat two days a week and three days a week? Well, let's just go all the way to the end. How many of you eat seven days a week? Why do you do that? Why do you eat seven days a week? Did your mama tell you to do that? How many eats three meals a day? Raise your hand. How many eats two meals a day? One meal a day? Okay. Those... <laughs> Those who join Brother Tommy eat all day long. <laughs> Some of us, we think about food at the time we get up in the morning, time we go to bed at night. It's nothing better than a good ice cream at night, right, Tommy? Yes, amen. amen. And, uh, but anyhow, we eat because we say we need nourishment. It's a good habit to be in regardless of how many times you eat. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So physical nourishment is good. I'm glad we can eat. 
I love food. My favorite food is food. I, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't know anything I don't like. I'm sure there may be something I may run across before I die. But I love food. I learned to love okra. I believe we'll have it in heaven. I love squash. Never ate it when I was a kid. But I love it today. I love fried tomatoes. I love anything country. Pinto beans, fried potatoes, fried chicken. All that stuff is just what I grew up on. And I still have a taste for that. I don't eat as much fried stuff as I used to. But it's still pretty good when you every once in a while backslide and enjoy you. That's not a good way to put it. Backslide and enjoy your sin for a little while. But every once in a while you may eat something fried. But men, should, men and women need to learn how to feed on the Word of God. It is something for your soul. And if I understand Scripture correctly, the soul is more important than the physical. You can go several days without eating and still be able to function. And you say, well, I can do that spiritually. But we don't realize how much it's harming us not to read the Word of God. Thank God for the Word of God. I want our church to be Bible-read. Whether you read through the Bible through every year, that's a challenge. Let the Bible read you through. There's something in there for everybody. And some of it I read I don't understand. And I don't worry so much about what I don't understand. I do get concerned about what I do understand. And there's more that I do understand that I need to apply to my life. And God will reveal to me some things in you too as you go along with what some other scriptures may mean in the very soul of your own life. And so the Bible-read, Bible-fed, and the Bible-led church, and I've become convinced of this, you will not know the will of God for your life unless you're a Bible reader or unless you listen to it regularly because the will of God, most of it that we find, is given to us in the Bible. When you start obeying what God says, you'll be closer to finding out what God wants in other areas of your life. Delight thyself in the Lord, and He shall give thee the very desires of your heart. Somebody said, oh boy, if I get in the Bible, He'll give me the very desires of my heart. But remember, delight yourself in the Lord, then He'll give you the desires of your heart. And the desires of your heart will come because you're delighting in the Lord. And what that means is you want exactly what the Lord wants. You're not, you're not selfish about it. You're saying, Lord, whatever you want in my life, help me to know what to do in making decisions in my life. So the Lord, here He's visiting this church. He's the visiting rabbi. And He stands up and reads verse 18 along with the other verses. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 61. Just so you know where it's at in the Old Testament. Isaiah, the silver-tongued prophet, 66 books, 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. Sort of corresponds with the whole Bible. Chapter 61. Can I read it again? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek and has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open up the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil for joy, for mourning, the garment of praise, for the spirit of heaviness, and they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and he might be glorified. As Isaiah continued the thought, a few more verses, that's what's found in the book of Luke. But I want to talk to you tonight about, make the application in this passage, it's on the Lord, but every one of us needs the same thing he had. As a matter of fact, there's three, three things that I want to begin tonight to place on the avenue on the, in the recesses of your soul and I hope on the fabric of your soul. Would you look at verse 18 and I want you to circle the word. It says, The Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Circle the word me. He hath anointed. Circle the word me. 
next line, the, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Three times he uses the personal, personal pronoun me. And so when Jesus was talking to Peter through Peter, he said we're following his steps. So I'm supposed to be following the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he gives me my pattern in this passage for service. Whatever I'm supposed to do in my Christian life is found in this verse of Scripture. It's found in three thoughts that echo back to us because of the personal pronouns me. There is a pattern for our service. Me, me, me. Three times. Me, me, me. All right, say it. Ready? Here it is. Me, me, me. Not selfishly. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. Following his steps, First Peter chapter 2. Hitherto have been called to follow in his steps. So that brings us down to three thoughts. If there's three me's, this passage, there's three things Jesus was and did that we're supposed to do and do. I was going to say do and did. We're supposed to do also. Three thoughts spiritually. First of all, we are to be like him and what he was. We are to be like him and what he was. If you open your Bibles to the book of Romans, we'll begin to read a few verses of Scripture. and Maybe we can follow along just as quickly as we can. And I'll stop just in a few minutes and we'll have prayer and go to the house. Well, we're to be like him in what he was. What was he? That's a good question. So what do we find out who God was, who Jesus was? We go to the Bible and we read the Scriptures. Romans 1, 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He was declared to be the Son of God. We are to be like Him in what He was. I'll get to it in just a moment. I'm supposed to be a Son of God. And you are too, daughter of God. He was holy. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 26. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 26. For such an high priest became us who is holy. He was a son of God. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Making application to my life to be like Jesus, I'm to be a son of God. I'm to be a holy son of God. I'm to be one who desires to live like God's family. And we know the truth that the Bible tells as many as received him, to them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God. Now, I am not the son of God, but I am a son of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm in the family. There's only one, the son of God, the eternal son of God, who's a member of the Trinity, and we're grateful for that. So not everybody's in the family. I don't know if everybody in this room's in the family. There's only two fathers out there. There is the devil, who's the father of liars. He's, the, he's a father. And those who belong to him, that's his children. They're children of the devil. And then there are those who are in the family of God, and we're children of God. There's a big difference between, what am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be like Jesus, so he was the Son of God. I'm to be a Son of God. But as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them gave he the authority or power to become the sons of God. So I am a Son of God tonight. I stand before you humbly as I know how, not fully understanding or grasping what I'm about to say to you. I am a Son of God of the living God. And because of that, I have a new nature I'll talk about in just a moment. But I'm supposed to be like Jesus Christ. We have become sons of God, St. John chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. So not everyone's in the family. God's not everybody's father. Here's the problem we're having today. Everybody dies, goes to heaven. It's amazing sometimes what people say at funerals. 
Now, I can't say everybody where they go. That's God's the judge. But a person can live a wicked life, never repent, never ask Christ to save him, never be born again as far as we know. And when he dies, he goes to heaven based on the testimonies at funerals. And we sort of say something like, well, they've gone to a better place. How many times have you heard that? Well, if they're not saved, they didn't go to a better place. They went to hell. You say, well, they weren't everything they ought to be, but I know God took them into heaven because God's a loving God. God is a loving God. That's the reason why he bankrupted heaven to send his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary. He hates sin, but loves the sinner. Amen. Wants nobody to go to hell. And yet there's people who feel like just because they were a good granddaddy, good grandmother, a good daddy, good mama, or a good husband, a good wife, or a good kid, that some way that merits them going to heaven. We all know different. For we're not saved by our goodness. We're not saved by being good or how much ability we think we have. But the sad part is many folks die unsaved. I'm becoming more, more convinced as I read the Bible and as I'm around church and around preaching all these many years, many, many people missed it somewhere along the way. If they don't have a desire to be like the Son of God, there's something wrong because when you got saved, that nature comes to live on the inside of you. I have a new nature. I have the old nature of Adam nature, but I also have the new nature, which is the divine nature, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. So because I have a new nature, there ought to be a desire to want to please God. Now, we don't always do everything we ought to do. I know we make mistakes. I know sometimes we get cold and different. I know sometimes we backslide. But if you talk to a genuine backslider, and God loves a backslider, I'm going to tell you what, down deep in that backslider's heart, they say something like this, I know what I should be doing. I know I should be living for God. Please pray for me. Now, if they continue and have no desire, nothing ever bothers them, there's something wrong with that. If they can live in any old way, they may be a child of the devil and not a child of the, of the Heavenly Father. He said he was a son of God, so I'm to be a son of God. And you're to be a daughter of God. He was holy and undefiled and unharmed. He was sinless in his life that he lived on this earth. And we are to be holy as possible. Be ye therefore holy as I am holy. Say it with me, please. Be ye therefore holy as I am holy. Say it again. So sin bothers you. The difference between a saved individual and an unsaved individual is this. When you get saved and you sin, it bothers you. Because the Holy Holy Ghost dwells on the inside to convict and to show you and to point out errors and those things in your life that's not right. Does again, it doesn't say that you're without sin because we fail from falter from time to time. But it does bother a Christian to sin. I've used the illustration many, many times, probably more than I need to, but when a person cusses before they're saved, take God's name in vain, and they do it regularly. They get saved, and they may cuss again. But something's different. Something's different. It begins to bother them. Boy, I shouldn't have said that. Who told them that? The Holy Ghost of God. Amen. Who reproves and shows us our need of being holy like Christ was. We'll never be perfect and we get to heaven. One of the things that we find sometimes we're not careful. Well, everybody sins, so I, I just like everybody else. That's no justification for sinning. If Tommy over here wants to sin, I don't have to sin. If, if, he, if he does good, I need, I need to do good not because of Tommy, because that's not my plumb line. I'm not coming short of Tommy. I'm coming short of the glory of God. Amen. And the Bible is the plumb line. So you say, well, I know preachers, who, people who profess to be saved, but they don't live right. Well, that's not your place to compare yourself with them. You've got to compare yourself with the rod and the straight as an arrow, and the Word of God is perfect. 
It's a, it's a plumb line for us, and we need to understand that. So I'm in the family. I have a Heavenly Father now. He's a wonderful Heavenly Father, and I can talk to Him regularly. I've been adopted or son-placed into the family. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now let me define four words right quickly, just in a brevity, and God knows they're far more deeper than I could even uh, touch the surface of. There's four, several things happened at salvation. Number one, there's regeneration. Regeneration, Titus 3.5. We have been regenerated by the Holy Ghost. If I read the verse, the word right, regene means to have new genes. I have my old genes, the reason I act like I do and do like I do. I've got, na- got a nature, somewhat like my daddy and I'm like my granddaddy, and it's been handed down from generation to generation. I was born with a set of genes, and so were you. And they can read a lot by your physical gene, genealogy and DNA now. They can almost write a book about you if they get, any, get a hold of your DNA. No two of us in this room are alike. We've talked about it recently. No two eyes are alike. No two retinas are the same. No two fingerprints the same. No two snowflakes fall the same. That's a mighty big God. I'm telling you, to make billions and billions of people that come in this world and be gened at birth or at conception, and yet to grow up, grow up, to live their life, and won't be identical to another person in this world. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. There's not another one of you. There's not another Fred Tyner. And all God's people said, amen. But everybody has one. Roy, what about it, buddy? Yeah. But all of us need to realize that we're, genu- we're uniquely made. When I was talking about the will of God and the gift of the Spirit, we have been sacredly shaped by God. We have been physically shaped by God, but we have been sacredly formed by God, and He has a purpose for our life, and He wants to use you, He wants to use me. So if I find out who I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a son of God. I've been regenerated. That's a change in nature. So I have a change in my nature. The reason why old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We have a new nature. Whose nature? 1 Peter 1, 4, it is the godly nature. It is divine nature that's come to live on the inside of us. And because it lives on the inside of us, it is to equip us, to enable us, to help us to be a holy son of God. And when we fail and falter along the way and we're not doing what we're supposed to do, we confess our sins. Faithful is the word of God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad God can cleanse us. He can also take the guilt away. One of the battles you have, and I'll talk about it Sunday maybe, in the old song, Rock of Ages, it talks about double cure. Double cure. First verse, double cure. Rock of Ages, clip for me. Took care of the double cure. Not only my sins, but my guilt. Both were there. And thank God he's able to do that. Here is our pattern for service. Me, me, me. So first of all, we're to be liking what he was. Regeneration. Then justification, another word we use quite often. And the Bible talks about it several places in Romans chapter 4, chapter 5. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Justification is a change in your standing before God. Now, regeneration is a change in your nature. You have a new nature that comes into your, into your being. And to make up your total body, soul, and mind, you've got the Spirit of God dwelling in you. Thank God He dwells in us. Thank God He dwells in us. I can't understand why He wants to, but He does. And he bankrupted heaven. I could have the privilege of having the nature of God and be, become more like him day after day. 
but justification is my change in standing. I've been found not guilty in the courts of heaven. The ledger has been written on my, my sins and my difficulties and my life. And the blood of Jesus Christ says paid in full. I've been found not guilty in the court of heaven. It's not like, what's the guy you got in court today? Hunter Biden. It's not like Hunter Biden. He got off with a lot of stuff if he does get off with it. We may get away with a lot of things down here, but you won't get away from the scrutiny of God's eyes. There's an all-seeing eye watching you, watching you. Every step that you take, he's watching you. Justification, a change in standing. Regeneration is a change in nature. So, my nature's been changed. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not everything I want to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And things are different now since Jesus made me whole. And I think you could say the same thing. So I've been justified in the eyes of God. I've been found not guilty. He has provided the righteousness I need to satisfy God's judgment. And through Jesus Christ, it's not my righteousness, it's His righteousness. And I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus by, the, by the being brought into the family of God. And then sanctification is another word we use so often. Hebrews 10.10 10, talks about a change in your character. Sanctification means set apart for the Master's use. So I've been regenerated, regene, I have a new nature, I've been justified in the eyes of God, found not guilty in the court of heaven, I'm free, thank God I'm free, thank God I'm free, thank God I'm free. You say, well, preacher, don't do all my, you think about your life where you ought to go? You ought to, we ought to shout more than we do. Every once in a while, you ought to just let a big glory come out. Amen. You've been justified in the eyes of God by faith. You have peace with the Lord. He's forgiven you of every dirty, rotten sin, past, present, and future, or under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to live under condemnation. I don't have to live under the shadow of judgment. I've been born again by the power of God. I have a new birth, regene. I have a new nature. I've been justified in the eyes of God. I've been sanctified, set apart for the Master's use. Lord, here's my life. Take it, use it however you want to. And boy, sometimes when I come up so short, I'm so sorry. I'm not what I ought to be but I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. Amen. And we ought to keep going and going, growing in the grace of God. And then there's that uh, adoption, that you've been adopted into the family of God. Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. That's a change in my position. I've been born again, but also been adopted. I've been placed in the family. Now, I'm saying this honestly tonight. It sort of just thrills me. I sure am glad I'm a Christian. I'm glad I'm a son of God. How about you? Don't you think it is worthy every once in a while of saying just glory? Amen. We get so dead and dry, and we, I say all of us in church, we just sort of let things come or go sometime and just forget from whence we came from. Don't ever get over the wonder of it all. And the more you meditate in the Word of God, you read the Word of God, you feel the Word of God, and you let God direct your life, the more you realize I am nobody apart from God's grace, but I am somebody because of God's grace. What He's done for me it is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He can do for you. And thank God for that truth. So I want us to give more thought to praising God verbally. You know, once in a while, I think it'd be good if, like Brother Keller used to say, I just want to testify on purpose. On purpose. I just want to stand and say, glory to God. You don't have to say a lot more, but sometimes just saying, I want to thank God for saving an old wretch like me. Carol said she was about nine years of age. I'm not sure how wicked she was at nine. She was probably the wickedest woman in that part of the world. But all of us, I stayed about nine. I was wicked. Wicked. When I look back at my life, I'm glad God saved me then. 
but I was doing things that in God's eyes were sinful. We say, well, you did little sins. What's the difference between big sin and little sin? What's the difference between a big lie and a little lie? A lie if you lied, you lied. If you lied or big, little, little or big, uh, black or yellow, black or white, doesn't matter what color it is. If you lie, you lie. But God has adopted us, and there's some great benefits for being adopted. And I want to close with these tonight before I get too far along. Here is our pattern for service. Me, me, me. Say it. Ready? Me, me, me. Very good. I want you in your, in your night when you go to, dream, go to dreamland tonight, I want you to hear the preacher. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. Me, 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 me. Get ready to sing a song. Me, me, me. It's me. It's me, O Lord, standing in need of prayer, not my brother or my sister, but it's me, O Lord. If I'm going to be a son of God, I've got to be regene and have regeneration. If I'm going to have justification, I've got to stand in his presence, not condemned, but set free. I'm free. Thank God I'm free. I've got to be sanctified, set apart in my character. My character is to take on the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been predestined from the foundation of the world to be conformed to the likeness of God. I'm supposed to be like Jesus. When we were in high school, we had a boy named, he called himself Little Jesus. He was making fun of the Lord, a lot of mockery, but he'd go around school and call himself Little Jesus. I remember the day he drowned in the local pond, and uh, they talked about Little Jesus just drowned. Well, the real Jesus didn't drown. Real Jesus is alive forevermore. But can you imagine living that kind of life? I'm Little Jesus, and then drowning and dying a terrible death unless something happened before he died, they called himself Little Jesus. That borders on blasphemy. But the fact is, I'm glad I've been adopted in the family of God. So, I'll give you these five things. I'll not labor them, just give them to you. What's the benefit of being adopted in the family? What's the benefit of being an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ? Number one, I have the family care. Luke chapter 12, verse 27, 31. We'll come back to it. He takes care of me. If he closed the lids of the field, and sees the bird fall from heaven, he takes care of me. He takes care of you. True or not? True or false? God takes care of us. You said God was good to you. Then why do we worry and fret? Why do we sometimes get upset at God? We wouldn't say that, but in essence, we sometimes wonder why God don't do what we want Him to do. We'll talk about that later. The family name. We had the privilege of naming our son. He's adopted in the family. 1981, Andrew, I guess he's 42 right now. But... Uh, he was adopted, and they let us choose his name. So we went to the legal powers to be, and they asked him, what would, what would you want to name him? And so Nancy and I had talked about it. We called him James. It's such a beautiful name. So we called him James. Then we called him Andrew. I wanted him to be a biblical character in the, in the Bible. Also, James is one, too. And then I thought it would be good because my name was Polly. His name would be Polly. I talked to him today. I said, Andrew, Polly, you up yet? He'd ask you a question. I'm glad he's in the family. I'm glad he's part of my family, been adopted in the family of God. We have a certificate that proves that. My name spiritually has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I've got a name up there that proves I belong to God Almighty. And when we look at it, he said, Rejoice, not that demons are subject to you, but that your name is in the Book of Life. And to know you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I have the family name. And but it's been his first John three one, we shall be like him. Family likeness. I mentioned a while ago we are predestined to become conformed to the image of God's dear son, so I'm to be like him. The longer I live I ought to be more like Jesus Christ. Now let me let me 
give the other two and I'll, and I'll close. Family chastisement. Because I'm in the family, I get chastised by God. Hebrews chapter 12. That's great. I have the family inheritance, First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. But come back to this thing of being like God. The Lord Jesus died on the cross of Calvary and all God's people said. And then three days later He arose from the dead and all God's people said. And then 40 days later He defied the law of gravitation and ascended back into the heavens and all God's people said. Well, that must have been a great day when He just going back into the heavens. It's going to be a great day when the rapture takes place, when we go up. But He told us that we were to be like Him. Walk in His steps. Be holy as He's holy. Take on the character of God. If somebody's around us very long, do they see, not for braggadocious purposes, because the Lord's representing me in heaven, I'm an ambassador for Him down here. If He is in heaven representing me, pleading my case as my advocate, He's my go-between. He's the He's the one that John called the, we have an advocate with the Father. He's my attorney. He's pleading my case in heaven. Not for salvation, but for help. And for those prayer requests we're asking in Jesus' name. He said, Father, He's asking. And sometimes we've got to remind God in a, in a gracious way, Lord, You said this. And I'm an heir of God and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. And I'm asking You. And You said if we have not, of course we ask not. And if we don't ask, we may ask selfishly. We don't want to do that. So help us not to be selfish. But to come to a place in our life that we can be around people and they can see something different about us. Maybe a gleam in our eye. Maybe a walk in our step. You don't have to wear a sandwich sign to say, I'm saved. When folks are around you very long, they're going to pick up on something. If you've been saved any length of time, if they don't pick up on that, then they ought to be able to hear it from you. I rejoice in that decision that was made at the gas pumps while ago. Hopefully we can follow up on that decision. The guy lives in town here in Concord who just got saved just a few hours ago. That's wonderful. Great. And I'm glad. And whoever he is, he's my brother now if he's saved. And we belong to the same family. But I'm supposed to be like Jesus Christ. You're supposed to be like Jesus Christ. You ever feel like sometimes you don't act like him? I was thinking about the fruits of the Spirit today. There's nine of them. And thinking about all the things that sometimes we do that's not pleasing to God. Angry. Oh, bitterness, hate. Sometimes we're so, we're so vindictive and you start thinking about all the things you are and how terrible we really are. Lord, help me to be more like Jesus Christ. I am not here to represent myself. I'm here to represent Him and to be a good ambassador wherever I go sharing the wonderful truth. I'm an ambassador from another world. I'm talking about heaven. And one day we're going, He's going to call me home. And my ambassadorship is going to be over and I'll come before the Lord. I'm not everything I ought to be. And I say it again, I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. Let's put the past behind us and dedicate ourselves to say, by the grace of God, I want to be like Him in what He was. The Son of God, a Son of God, Holy Son of God. I want to be just like the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in His footsteps as pure as I possibly can. Let's bow our heads for prayer, please. Thank you for your kind attention tonight. I hope you'll think about it when you go home this evening and I hope you'll read your Bible regularly. I hope you'll share with God the privilege you have and I have to talk to the Heavenly Father. Father, we bow in your presence tonight to thank you for the truth that has set us free. 
We thank you, Father, for the fact we can come in the middle of the week and be able to open up the old book and just read and share a verse or two. And tomorrow we can read some more. Lord, whether we read one verse or read a whole chapter or read several books, that's beside the point. The point is that we spend some time with you reading the Word of God, saying, Lord, speak to me. Holy Ghost who dwells on the inside wants to be our teacher, wants to be our guide, wants to be our helper. So, Father, we're thankful that you sent the Son. We're glad that Jesus went back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. May you help us as a church to be a living representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may other folks say there's something different about them. And, Lord, may they see Christ in us. And if they say something about it, just say, give God whatever glory you see. I realize I'm nothing apart from the grace of God. It's not a bragging time except bragging on Jesus. Thank God for that privilege. Let's stand together, please, for prayer. An invitational song, if you need to come to the altar for any reason, for salvation, rededication, surrendering your will to God's will, or rededicating yourself to the will of God that you made some time ago, or some special burden on your heart, the altar is open. You come as we sing.